Welcome to Film Logic, um, a podcast about the movies of yesterday, today, and tomorrow with all the fandoms in between. I'm your host, Mike, and we have our other co-host, Adam. Are you there? Hey, what's going on, friends? Ah, he's doing great. <laughs> Sorry, I answered for you. I don't know why. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's about par for the course. But we have somebody else joining us, too. Oh, my gosh, yes. Before I bring him up with so much excitement and enthusiasm and hype, um, you think it would be Tom Hanks that I have so much hype for this man. <laughs> I wish. Um, yeah. Let me just say we have a Discord called um, Retrologic, which is hosting us. Bunch of nice guys, bunch of nice geeks. They live up to that name. And if you want to talk about... How Starfield uh, is increased Xbox price, like sales by a thousand percent. Those are the guys to talk to. So look for the link to join our Retro Logic. Anyways, I have with me a man that I call cousin because he's my cousin, <laughs> but he also works in the movie industry, and I am shocked it took me this long to actually invite him on this podcast. Sam, are you there? I am. Thank you guys so much for having me. And yeah, what the heck? Sorry, everybody. I'm not Tom Hanks, but hopefully <laughs> I can have uh, some good insight and some cool stuff to talk about today with you guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. Mike, way to make our guests feel unwelcome in the first 30 seconds, dude. I know. Should I tell him he's also doing fine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways. <laughs> it's been a it's been a long labor day folks so sam um you are the you're the biggest person we've talked to because you have a connection to hollywood tell us like what school did you go to where did you intern how did you get there i want to know the dirt yeah um so i went to a private film school in new york city called school of visual arts and uh there i studied um directing and editing and uh just it was great i got to uh, work on a lot of film sets throughout my four years I, I got a bachelor's degree and uh when i graduated i did the cliche thing of packing up all my stuff and moving to los angeles hollywood and uh it's just your typical cliche story of not having any money ex but just going there with a dream and uh thank god i guess i i guess it kind of worked out <laughs> mm -hmm. yes but you're no longer in la am i right yes um that's something we can maybe talk about later but uh but yeah when i moved to la i just um i i had some um some connections from school that uh got me some interviews at some d different places i worked on some film sets out there um kind of just started it just your you know just your typical stuff you you start small you start meet working on one film set you meet other people then you work on another film set and then hey i know a guy who works here and mm -hmm. and then i uh i started working at a a trailer house um 
and uh, I, I was just working in the dub room. So I basically, uh, every time one of the editors finished doing like a cut on a trailer, I would uh, record it. And this, this, I mean, I guess it's showing you how old I am now, but we used to record it to tape. <laughs> mm, nice. And then we used to send those tapes to, uh, we'd have like a, another like PA, we'd uh, lock it in a box and they would drive it to the studios to give to the executives. Now that's, that's no longer that way. Now we just share everything via encrypted links, but uh, man, those were the days. Yes. Wow. If you think that is what makes a person old. Um, when I first went to college, um, like digital editing wasn't invented yet. We were still putting things on VHS and hitting cut record. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's 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 how they used to do it. I mean, even in trailer mm -hmm. editing, if you if you watch old trailers, um, you know, there wasn't much going on in them because there just simply wasn't that much they could do with it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then it wasn't until they st we started getting nonlinear editing software where we could start doing different types of cuts and adding sound effects and doing all sorts of cool stuff. So, mm -hmm. But uh, we can talk about anything. Well, Adam, uh, yeah. Now's your chance to get out your your Christmas <laughs> list of questions. Yeah, right. Um, no, I I mean I, the first thing that I wanted to ask. I mean, even just from that short little job description you gave us, um, I am super fascinated with the the evolution of of trailers because it definitely, and maybe it's corresponding with technology, but it definitely feels in the last you know ten fifteen years that trailers have kind of become less of an afterthought and more of a like you kind of have to see the trailer before you see the movie especially if it's like you know stuff coming out for on the marvel side or you know there's something star wars it, it always feels like you know you know these these trailers are you know almost as much need to see as you know some of the tv shows and stuff that go with marvel would you say that you know the the demand on the corporate side is has increased for the, the 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 quality and the importance of like what you're, you're what you're doing on the trailer side. Yeah, you know, I I was just th thinking real quick. I just wanted to say because we didn't really mm. I didn't really explain to the audience. I I'm currently working as a trailer editor, um, mm. and I've been doing that for the past almost twelve thirteen years now. Mm. But um, I just want to say that because we didn't really explain that to the audience. Right, right, right. But yeah. um, yes, yes. Um, I th I think I know what you're saying with the question. Do you think you can just um, could you elaborate on the question a little bit more? Sure, sure. Um, would you say that like the the nature of trailers has changed in terms of like um, the the purpose of them? Because before, it definitely felt like growing up. It felt like, you know, when you watch the, a trailer for Lord of the Rings or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, this kind of gives me a sense of what the movie is. It seems kind of interesting, you know, in, out, 30, 45 seconds. But now it feels like we're getting extended cut trailers and we're getting, um, you know, red tape, you know, in the red trailers, you know, for our movies. Red pants, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So would you say that the, the business of trailers has changed? Oh, absolutely. I mean movie marketing has become its own genre like it's it's mm -hmm. it's so ingrained in 
American culture. It's it's like it's a part of pop culture. Like when when a new movie drop, when a new trailer. Well, it, typically it's usually a teaser. When a teaser drops, you know, now you got every YouTube reviewer making content about the teaser you got the you know it it just spawns so much conversation and it you know and we use that to our advantage you know some we'll throw in easter eggs or we'll throw in like a shot of something to get because we know that the youtube reviewers and all that stuff they're going to see that stuff and they're just going to want to talk and talk and talk about it and you know the more people are talking about your movie the more hype it gets and hopefully that that, you know results in more ticket sales so yeah i mean there's so much focus on the movie marketing today and you know and it's changing a lot recently with you know tiktok and instagram you know Mm. it used to just be you you make a trailer or two and that was it now we're doing full digital content making specific spots for instagram um it where you know specific to the digital audience so yeah, I mean, we've there's whole new job sectors that have opened up that's specific to creating content for digital marketing. Um, then there's the th- theatrical, where you know where you go to the movie theater and you see the the trailer in the theaters, and then also the broadcast where we're doing you know TV spots and 15 seconds or even digital buys where you're you're doing you know you're on YouTube and you're watching whatever and then boom a 30 second spot comes on for the new marvel movie so i mean it's 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 just such a growing industry and it's mm-hmm. you know the the these um these studios you know they, they put they're putting three four hundred million into these movies yeah, yeah. so you know they want to make sure they get a good return on it and by <laughs> doing that people gotta people gotta know about it <laughs> so it's very important to them yeah, for for sure, and yeah, I hope and, that answered your question. No, a hundred percent. Those those really great insight, and yeah, no, it it definitely does feel like it it's changed. Like you were saying, like it's totally evolved into this business. Like um, me and my friends were just talking about because the the Rebel Moon trailer just dropped. I think earlier this week, um, Zack Snyder's uh, you know Star Wars project. That's not a Star Wars project. Um, and we were talking. We, we watched the trailer, and it's like. Whoa, it feels like they're introducing every storyline and it feels like it was supposed to be a teaser, but it felt like, you know, it felt like eight minutes of content shoved into like three minutes. And you're like, oh, geez, like this is this is crazy. And yeah, definitely trailers have um, become, you know, less of a, a commercial. And now it's more like like you were saying, like it's a whole marketing it's, thing. It's, it's like it's a 40 minute content. sales pitch. Yeah. It's almost content yeah. in itself, you know. It's right. um. It, let me ask you. You mm. said that you it was giving away all the storylines. Did you like that or did you not like that? Um. So I uh, I've I've been blessed uh in not caring about spoilers. I I it doesn't bother me because I more care about like if you know if a story beat gets revealed, I'm more interested in seeing how. Uh, you know, a movie's director or a movie's writer connects the the those uh, all the all the dots. So you know, spoilers don't really bother me too much. I'm more excited about the execution. But some of my friends are like super into like making sure that nothing gets spoiled, and they and sometimes they they get um they were kind of like not peeved, but um they were just like oh like 
I, you know, that they they feel surprised sometimes that they get stuff revealed to them in the trailers, and I guess it really just comes down to the to the person. But at least me personally, um, I I enjoy getting like that information and then seeing how it all fits together like a puzzle. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's you know, it's so great. We, you know, there's so many different themes and topics mm. and sectors of of the trailer world you can dive into and um you know i you know just just of what you were talking about alone we could have like a three-hour discussion about but but what i'll say to Mm. that is um you know that's what we do you know Mm. we 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 sit in rooms and we we go okay you know here's this new marvel movie you know, mm. in this movie, you know, there's going to be X, Y, and Z characters that nobody knows is, are going to reveal themselves in it. Mm. And, you know, it comes down to, you know, what I'm trying to say is, is, you know, that's, that's what, that's the, that's the, what we do in, in the trailer world. Mm. We try to find that balance of what do we show that gets people interested enough to want to spend the money to go see the movie right. but not give away everything and and you know oh, right right and, and and sometimes you know sometimes we give too much sometimes we don't give mm. enough mm. usually we give too much though <laughs> let's be <laughs> honest but um, so, like, you know that's just interesting do you have any like studio oversight like the studios like yeah. we want this this and this or is it all on your shoulders Oh my God! No, it is it is one hundred and ten percent on the studio side. So oh, okay. how it so how it works really is is you know I'll just I'll explain it quickly and it, but essentially how they do it is is say um say a studio makes a movie mm-hmm. and they go okay cool we have this we just shot this movie and we want to start working on a teaser for it. They will, the clients will hire, they'll probably go to like, I don't know, maybe four or five different trailer houses and they'll say, all right, here's the movie, cut us a teaser. And it's kind of like, um, what's it called? Darwinism, where it's like, <laughs> may the best, may the best win, may the smartest and, you know, mm. best trailer win. So how it'll work is we'll all, we'll all fuck, we'll all go crazy and, um, cut the best trailer we can or the best teaser we can and we'll send it to the client. So then the client mm. will, will get, we'll, we'll get five teasers from five different companies and then they'll, they'll maybe go, yeah, like maybe give us a few notes here and there. And then they'll go into meetings on the studio side and they will discuss where to go from there. And mm. usually what happens is they go, okay, cool. Thank you so much. We're going to throw all that out and start over <laughs> because now we have a better idea of how we kind of want to shape this. Mm. And that wow. kind of happens every step of the way. It's always, and, and, and again, I'm not, ta- I'm not talking bad about anybody because this is the process, but mm-hmm. it's always cutting, cutting teasers, cutting trailers, viewing them, mm. viewing how they, how the tone of them and a lot of a trailer is tone, you know, like w- when you walk away, w- what do you feel? Is it, you know, triumphant? Is it scary? You know, what do you, do you, is it hopeful? Like the music, like everything. So a lot of it is just basically throwing, o- throwing out what you've done and starting over again. But, but, but you're not, you didn't lose anything of it because you learned a lot from, from 
and again, you're having five different companies cut on it. Mm. So they're seeing it from all different angles. And but so so they have like a bird's eye view of like, oh, like the way that they cut that action beat or the way that they use that line with this line that works really well. That that really embodies the storytelling that we want to go. So then they'll say so like basically they'll be like, okay, we love these three teasers. And then maybe two companies are now off the project. So then it's down to three and then it maybe it gets down to two and you'll work up to like version a hundred sometimes. And mm -hmm. then it's like you, and then what happens is, is if they're both, if they've got two teasers, it usually comes down to like two from mm -hmm. two different companies. And then if the, if the, if the clients are feeling real good about it and the studio execs are feeling good about it, what they do is they send that teaser to testing facilities where they actually have people come in and they show them the teasers. They ask them a bunch of questions and then they take all that data and they say, okay, like it seems like the cue that they were using on this teaser worked really well, but mm -hmm. the other teasers storytelling worked better. So then they'll, they'll, they'll choose one trailer house and go, they'll give us the data and they'll say, look, this teaser, we want you to use the music they used in this teaser, but they, um, but but your storytelling worked. So recut the teaser, but with this cue involved. I know I'm saying a lot, but does any of that kind of making sense? Yes. Mm. It sounds like a reality TV show that needs to be made <laughs> where people get voted off the studio. Right. right. Well, and it makes sense why movies will say, like, you know, take The Flash, for example. Like, you know, their budget, you know, you were saying earlier, like $200 million. But really, the you know the the hidden costs that are there, like all that stuff, people get paid through that entire process of like the trailer writing, the testing, like those are people's jobs, and you know the you know that's why movies are, you know, if they don't make a billion dollars or you know they 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 flop opening weekend, that's it makes it's, people. It's on the studio execs, yeah, yeah. It's and it, that's a lot. Think about the pressure they're under. And I just want to I just want to mm -hmm. add real quick, when you see a trailer. Just know that there are probably close to a hundred people mm. that had something to do with making that trailer wow. awesome. Yeah, and 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 so like yes, a lot of it is on the editor actually cutting it, you mm. know. But you have I work with music supervisors; they're mm. feeding me new new cues and cool new sound design to add to it. I'm working with copywriters that are coming up with cool, unique copy to, to throw into the trailer. Mm. I'm working with graphic artists that are creating these really cool, interactive 3D graphics that are you know coming in and out of the trailer. And then and then that's just on kind of my side. Then I'm also working, or then the client side, you know, they're working, they're they're working their asses off too, and 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 mm. the, the, you're you're just such a high talented, so creative group of people, and I just can't right. say enough about the people in this industry. Mm. I know I know Hollywood gets a lot of hate, um, but you know, it, I I think people forget about that. There's actually people behind this stuff, right. and we're all working so hard just to create the best level of mm. content we can so for sure um, and, and everybody is very talented and I'm, I'm just so grateful to work with mm. all these amazing amazingly creative people every day of my mm. life for, wow. for sure 
And you're you're just talking about like maybe like a thirty second trailer, like they do a wipe and you see uh, Darth Vader's crushed <laughs> helmet, and then he says coming next year. Like to think that that might have been a hundred people on that. And, and I, I didn't even get into it. Think about this. So say say the say it's all you know the music's in there, the sound design's mm. in there. Now we have to work with legal teams to clear all the music rights, right? So that we can pay to use that music cue, so that we can pay the 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 people who create the sound design. So we can pay them money to license their sound design in the, the teaser, and then on top of all that, we're, we send that to a um, a finishing house, and then the finishing house has the pro, uh, professional audio mixers, and they mix the audio perfectly, and then you have color graders that color grade it and make sure you're you you're, you're you know it just it, it's an endless pipeline of mm. super professional talented people working mm. on it every step of the way and it, it's just it really is crazy i mean maybe it's maybe it's even more than 100 i don't want to <laughs> but but just know when you see a trailer there are maybe 200 people behind yeah making that into a reality mm. no, that that totally mm. makes sense and you know because people really when they think about it and you know they see like a marvel movie they're like Oh, uh, you know, Disney, they think actors and then they, they might think, you know, maybe, a, you know, they might think of Bob Iger and, you know, maybe that'll be the end of it. Maybe they'll think of like the, you know, a producer, maybe. But really, the, the business of making movies, it goes it goes so much deeper than that. There's, you know, like you were saying, like there's legal teams, there's, you know, there's uh-huh. lawyers that specialize just in that. And um yeah, I know it's it's crazy how really deep it goes, and, and and really how many fingers are in the pies, and um, yeah, yeah. There's not just you can't just point at one thing, and and you say that you know like Hollywood gets a lot of hate, but I, but they, but people don't really realize like what they're they don't know what they're directing their anger at, right? They don't know what they're they don't have a full picture of what they're talking about. Exactly, mm-hmm. and to that point, um, you know, it's it's a this strike is um and i mm. we, we don't i don't, don't want to talk too much about the strike but yeah. i was reading an article about um about la and it's just it's really mm. sad because it was from the perspective of three people uh a woman who owns a hair salon a mm. guy who owns a uh a dry cleaning facility and a guy who owns a limo service mm. and and oh i'm sorry a fourth one a guy who just owns a restaurant mm-hmm. and it, you know, you would say, okay, a guy, a girl cuts hair, a dry cleaner. What does that have to do with Hollywood? Well, actually, it has a lot to do with Hollywood. All the right. execs at the studios, they have meetings and they interface with clients and have international business dealings. They get their, their suits dry cleaned at that business cleaner. The hair salon, all the execs and all the talent, the actors, they get their hair cut there. The, the limo driver drives them to the red carpets and drives the actors to the studio back to their house. You know, it, it it's such it so like when people are like, talking about the strike, there's so many people that aren't mm-hmm. talked about. It's not just the actors. It's mm-hmm. it's all these small businesses that are also affected. And you know, I'll just leave it at that. But I just want to you know, I just want to say there there's so many people involved in Hollywood mm-hmm. that's not necessarily a part of Hollywood. You know, mm-hmm. the restaurant that feeds that does the craft service on movie sets. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much involved in movies, and and 
you know, it's not just actors, a camera and a director, you know what I'm saying? And I, I just wanted to make mm-hmm. that point because, you know, it's, it's such a mega, mega industry, you know, it's, it just, it gives, it supplies so many jobs. It, it's, it's, it's honestly a miracle. Like it, it, we should, it's just, I'm, I'm just every day I think about, it, I'm like, wow, the, the amount of jobs that this one movie is giving people it's it's just a money making job creating. It's a very it, it it's 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 incredible. It it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, Mike, did you did you have any questions, or did we did um, we want to get into the meat and the potatoes? Meat and potatoes. Uh, yeah. Well, um, am I allowed to talk about where you interned? Because I thought that was really cool. Um. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know what you know. Well, okay. Did you intern? Like, can I just ask you point blank? Did you intern for <laughs> DreamWorks? Because I thought that was. No, I didn't intern for DreamWorks. No. Oh, crap. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought for some reason. Okay. This is how family things get messed up. Um, that you did. <laughs> no, no. Um. I, uh, I'll say it only because they're not in business anymore, but th- mm. th- it was this really cool company called New Deal Studios, mm-hmm. and they specialized in doing all of the miniatures, miniature sets for all the big movies. Oh. So, you know, it, it, and it's not a business anymore because everything's CGI now, but, you know, don't mm. forget long ago before computer CGI was good – if you want to, you know, in Star Wars, all those ships, th- those were all somebody hand built yeah. all of those things. Mm. So it was a really cool step in the door for me um, just to kind of see how all that worked. And and I think what movie was I working on? I, oh, we were working on. Um, what's that movie with Leonardo DiCaprio? Shutter Island? Yeah, Shutter, Shutter Island. Island. Yeah. They built the whole compound of the island and the prison mm. you know and i and i got to see them film it and and with the blue screen like it, it was just a really cool intro into hollywood because you're getting a little sense of that magic of like wow yeah. you know mm, um but sure. yeah that that's where i interned mike okay all right i'm that that story is just as awesome i'm just scribbling out worked on shrek <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you know, just gonna just gonna black that out and you know move on redacted. <laughs> um, no, that's that's super awesome. That's really cool. Um, yeah, no, Shutter Island was definitely very beautiful, and I think you can tell when movies have aspect of that. You know the the real, you know the the real sets. Not that not that the CGI stuff isn't, but uh, in a different way. But like the the you know you look at Lord of the Rings and you know stuff like that. It's just so. It looks so timeless even now because of the effort that they put into those, you know, those sets. And you can yes. tell when movies like, you know, I don't want to keep <laughs> bringing up the Flash, but like when you see things like the Flash, like okay, yeah, I I get it. There's there's CGI, we we got it. Um, yeah. But then you look at things like, you know, with Oppenheimer that came out this year, and you know the, what Greta Gerwig was able to do on on Barbie. Like, yeah, they used a lot of they used some CGI, almost none in Oppenheimer, but those sets were real and you can just, you can see the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really, it, um, 
it, it translates through the film when you see mm. it like you really you feel it you know like it, it's yeah. um it, it, there's just i don't know you know is as good as cgi is getting and as good as it is there's just something about it when you it, it's something I, I don't know what it is maybe you guys can do, jump in but it's mm. like your brain like automatically just goes that's fake and and you're just <laughs> yeah. kind of like you're just right. ma- like a little bit of your of your you know i, I don't know like yours you're just kind of like that's fake and then you're kind of like not as interested anymore but mm. then when you watch star wars it's like you know obviously you know they're not filming starships flying <laughs> through the thing right. but right. you know it doesn't it, it it's not like you your brain doesn't go oh that's a computer you you're kind of more connected to it and you're like oh my god and you're like more involved in it yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not explaining it very well no but, no I don't, there's just I get, something about it yeah yeah i would say there's something to that like there's something when your brain knows it's like a visible like literal craft yes that you see versus like something that just was digitally input into the scene like I can, I can definitely feel that, mm. and maybe that's why everyone was so upset about the twelve babies falling from a building in the, in the Flash movie, <laughs> and you know they gave us so much flack, and they're like, maybe secretly we were hoping those were real babies or models of babies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think, um, I, I think it's one of those things where money is definitely a factor. Like you look at you know, what Disney is able to put into things like what they're doing with the Mandalorian. And um, you're like, okay, yeah, the money goes a long way making the CGI and the sets look really, really nice. Um, but I also think another part of it is when you're using real stuff, I think it just, how it sits in space and how, yep. you, like your frame of reference and how it moves across um, and I, I think it just it just plays nicer with, with um, film like it just the 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 way that the shutter speed I I don't know I I don't know the science behind it but it it just feels better in how it moves in space and when you look at sometimes in CGI it looks almost too unnaturally smooth or it seems a little too like there's no weight to it if that makes sense hundred yeah. percent and and you can even say the same about cameras I mean mm-hmm. they used to film it on film. Right, you know, actual physical. You're getting physical grain in the picture. You're right. taking physical pictures of the thing, and when those pictures are projected through with the light on the screen, you know, it it, it it's it literally is magic. And and right. you can say the same. What I'm saying, or what I was to revert back to what you were saying. Mm. The digital cameras today, they're like when you see it's just like there's something about it, you know, like you're watching it, everything is like too crisp, too clear, you know, like it, it's just right. kind of like there's this sense of like everything's too fake, you know, right. and and um, like like what you're saying, I love I loved what you were saying about having that physical object in the space and how it moves and how the light mm. bounces off, whether it's a piece of fabric or like. A, a you know a, a Star Wars gun or, or not to keep bringing up Star Wars but just like yeah it really it really just it 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 elevates that magic that we're all you know that we all want when we go and see a movie you know for sure and yeah it, even down to just how things are choreographed and you know I 
Of course. I mean, Star Wars is just it's just the easiest thing to, to to pick on. But, you know, you look at the new, you know, the the new trilogy and then you look at some of the older stuff and just even how they they choreographed fight scenes and what they were able to do with that. Like, you know, in the original with, you know, you have Obi-Wan Kenobi fighting Darth Vader on the on the Death Star. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't do the flips. They couldn't do the the, the tricks. They had to do good old fashioned, you know, lightsaber, you know, hand to hand. They They did it all themselves. And then. You know, with George Lucas's, you know, prequel trilogy, they were able to get into some more, you know, CGI stuff, but the the the, the realness was still there. They were still doing, you know, the sets, and they, they weren't doing as much CGI, and then you get into, you know, the newer stuff with J.J. Abrams and, right. and Ryan Johnson, and you're just like, okay, well, I mean, here we are, <laughs> and you can just, you can tell, you, you can just tell, it, it, um, mm-hmm. and I think the, the, I think they learned some some lessons. Disney learned some hard lessons from that, and I think the the good the TV shows that have been received well, like The Mandalorian and Andor, and you know, I think they definitely leaned into more of the 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 real sets and the real kind of choreography and stuff like that. Whereas you know, some stuff that might not have been as favorably received, like with Boba Fett, got some got some flack for the the CGI and their choices. But you know, I I definitely think there's there's you're you're right. It's the the, the digital cameras. It's it's it, you know it's, it's something you can't quite put your finger on for sure, but you can just tell. For sure, but but just to play devil's advocate too, mm. and, and play the flip side. Yeah. You know, also with digital cameras, we're allowed to do a lot of cool new things yeah. that we never w- were able to do before, like mm-hmm. right. drone shots and like just doing all sorts of cool stuff. Um, like you were saying with choreographing fight scenes mm. and like you know, dropping cameras, and then we can even, the cameras are so small now, we can put them on anything, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a flip, there's a, there's a, there's pros Mm -hmm. and cons to everything. Um, For sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just all about, it's all about the story. It's all about the characters, and and it's about great characters that we love and want to follow and root for. Yeah on the backdrop of just an epic awesome story that we mm. you know we want to that that's that's at the that's all that matters at the end of the day they can shoot it with an iphone it doesn't matter if the characters <laughs> and the story are great that's all anybody cares about right. well also the audio has to be clean but <laughs> yeah oh that. for sure for yes. sure for sure yeah i and when, I, when i think of like really awesome digital shots like i i always think of you know last year i don't know when it came out but john wick 4 i mean some of the shots that they were able to get for that and the, yes. their action sequences, like that, that top-down sequence of him running through the house and shooting people with that shotgun that shoots the the fire stuff. I'm like, I, yep. that's incredible. Like that's yeah, that that that's that's what you want, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Great now, movie. I love I love that movie. Even even stuff in like the 60s, 70s, and 80s when they wanted to show a visual effect, they would draw on the film and animate it. I think that's pretty cool. Like yeah, it's like the Ghostbusters. Yeah, mm. the, the laser beams. That I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know um I know George Lucas's what what's it called L I M. Um, his his they did that. And Mike, I, I'm not. Don't quote me on that, but I think you're right. I think they hand drew all the laser beam particles and stuff on the film for that. Right. That's how I would do it because I don't understand how the computer technology works. <laughs> yeah right but it looks and, cool you know it yeah, yeah. it doesn't look cgi there's like a different mm-hmm. it's got a different essence to it you know it's got right. a different vibe to it and when you see it 
obviously you know it's not a real they're not shooting real laser beams but at the same time your brain isn't going oh that's computer that's a computer cgi doing that no it's got like a weird it's it like it almost has like a whole like a spirit behind it right you're not sure what it is you know you're, hmm. you know it's not computer you know they're not actually shooting the laser and and because you don't know exactly what it is it it allows you to keep that suspension of disbelief and just stay in the storytelling you know and just mm-hmm. just like live in it it's great no it's good yeah uh, yeah, I I saw and I saw this old movie where they did rotoscoping, where they shot it regular. It was like this barbarian movie, but they drew over it, and it was like early '80s. And I'm like, this could pass off as something like today. I just think <laughs> rotoscoping is so cool. Mm. No, what were sure. they doing in it? Um, it was, I don't know, it was this barbarian guy, like, this is like early 80s Conan the Barbarian market, you know, wearing the loincloth, um, his luscious beauty, <laughs> always getting attacked by druids, and yeah. him just swinging an axe at them. And I love that. It's the hard science fiction. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, that kind of reminds me of it. Um, not that it's rotoscoping, but mm. just in terms of things being real on camera. Um, and this is a terrible, you know, analogy or, or a reference. But do you remember the old Power Rangers show? Yes. Yes. I mean, you actually had the Power Rangers fighting real people in costumes. Right. In you suits, know, yeah. so it was kind of like. It just, you know, if they were if it, if they were CGI power, if all of a sudden the real people turned into CGI Power Rangers fighting CGI things, mm. you know, it, it it wouldn't. You would be like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of that kind of sucks. But f- watching them actually fight real people in the suits, I think it, it, it like really resonated with kids because um, mm. I don't know. That's a bad reference, but I, I just like how they didn't use any CGI in that. Mm. No, I, I think there's something to it because I think when I think the ask for the audience when you're watching that and you're like, you know, just you know, give you know, believe a little bit. It's okay. We like the actors know, the director knows, and you know that this is just a person in a suit. Yeah. But it, it it just allows you to. It's a little easier to suspend your disbelief. But then when they're showing you this giant towering robot and it's like destroying New York City. And, you know, they're asking you to, to you know, to, to suspend your disbelief and say, this is a real robot and acting, like, acting in a real space in real New York City. Yeah. The ask is a little bit bigger, and you're just like, I don't know if I'm willing to suspend that disbelief enough. <laughs> Something cool about Power Rangers, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the, they're really smart business-wise. Because um, the show was actually huge in Japan. Right. So right. they would just shoot the people in the Power Ranger shoot, the Power Ranger fights in mm. the suits and everything one time, and then they would send that to America, and they would just you know the Americans would, will film their their real people version with the Americans, and then they would right. intercut that with the same footage that the Japanese version uses on their show, but with the Japanese people obviously cut into theirs. But it's the same footage. I thought I always thought that was so smart business wise. <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of shows. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Smart. We we didn't get actual like new fight scenes until Big Bad Beetleborgs. Um, oh yeah, the Beetleborgs. Look at the the history of like what is it? Super Sentai. Yeah. Um, every everything that we had that was like it was there was either Power Rangers or like Power Rangers. They're like, oh, no, that's actually the Japanese show. Blah blah blah. And then we just Big Bad Beetleborgs came. Yeah. And they're like. <laughs> We did our own action scene. Yay. <laughs> yeah. oh, I found out that Barbarian movie is called Fire and Ice. And ah. you can either oh. buy or rent it on YouTube or just go to the link below, which is the full movie in English. So I'll let you <laughs> the decide. The cover looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Looks like the cover to like a death metal band or something. Yeah. Sweet. That was the rage. In someone's van. Yes. Mike, well, I don't think you told the people of the show that are listening in what the the main topic of today's show is, did you? Well, yeah. by now I hope you've looked at the title of our art <laughs> or read the title. Um, but we're going to talk, and this is exciting. Like originally, it was going to be, you know, the the notes literally said, you know, suck up to the guest. But <laughs> I went a little bit further in. We haven't talked about this, and I don't even know why we haven't talked about it, but just each one of us coming up with five movies that we think needs to be remade for the 2023, you know, brought into the new age, re-envisioned, or maybe kept the same in its original glory. You know, I'll leave that up to you guys. I have my five. You guys have your five. We can just go down the line. Mm. Um, Each one just drops one, talks about it. And moving on to the next person. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm i excited for this. This has always been one of my favorite things that we, um, that we do every once in a while is when we will just re-envision something that we love. Because really, at the end of the day, you know, when people do, you know, fan fictions or when people do, you know, this sort of thing it's because they love it so much and they want it to be good and they just have their own little vision for how it should be. And um, yeah, I, I love it. And just getting to see how people viewed something that you also saw and just seeing how their perspective on it is a little different. I love it. Right. People love lists and we love making them. So um, I want to give the guest, you can get first dibs like, oh, what is the first movie you think deserves to be remade? Mm. All right. I th- I think... Have you guys seen the movie The Monster Squad? Came oh. out in 1987. I don't think so. I've heard of this movie. Mm. But then someone else used a similar title in, like, 2016. <laughs> it was, like, an asylum Films version mm. of the Suicide Squad. Um, oh, okay. Well, that was my first choice. I I, mm. I saw this movie when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I saw it recently. I highly recommend it. It's like a cult classic '80s film, mm. and um, it's essentially it's just about a group of teens. It, it basically, if you've seen uh, Stranger Things, they pretty much took it from this but it's a group (laughs) of teens um living in this small town and uh 
Frankenstein, the mummy, Dracula, the wolfman, and the swamp thing all come to wreak havoc on the town. And it's mm. about these group of teens that are just funny and uh, they go and battle them away, try to save the town. Simple concept, but um, I just think I just think it's a really cool idea to remake. You can do a whole new cast, make it funnier. Um, it's it's just cool to have like th- that. I-, I love the juxtaposition of like mm. it's like this funny movie with like young kids, young <laughs> teenagers, set on this backdrop of like this horrorous this horror villain monster franchise of you know all the great classics. And them clashing mm. together. It's it's it just it's it's a good uh foundation to do really cool stuff with. Mm-hmm. That actually sounds like the vision of the dark universe, which was supposed to be go against those comic book guys. Um you know, the one where the mummy was supposed to be with Tom Cruise, and then they're gonna come out with a Frankenstein. Yes. Yes, yeah. uh Universal we're we're gonna kick off the co- the we're going to do a whole new reboot of all the classic monster yes. movies. And, monster um, Squad sounds like their Avengers film. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Maybe we should hold out on it. They can do a couple uh, solo franchises and then end on this one. <laughs> right. For sure. For sure. And I, I mean, I definitely think that's a, I think that's a winner. I mean, there's, um, there's such a market for that genre. I think right now, you know, of course, Stranger Things, but even just stuff that is um that's getting remakes now or are kind of like fringe popular like um like that Winnie the Pooh remake or whatever that they did it was like Blood and Honey and uh yep. that like sloth horror movie that's coming out um it yeah it just feels like those kind of like art house sort of at you know styled horror is is definitely in vogue and I, I i love it i'm here for it yeah yeah there it's there's so much potential you know you got the the themes of like young adolescence of you know going mm. through puberty trying to get that girl you know uh ask ask that girl to go on the first date your first kiss and then it's it, while well, all that's going on you know dracula is chasing you down it's just you know it's just it's silly but yeah. you know it's it's fun you know right right yeah um yeah it, it, and it's given me like i don't know if you guys have seen um like happy death day or um what was the other one with uh with vince vaughn where he's like a he switches bodies with oh, like a freaky. teenage girl yeah freaky freaky um yeah. yeah i i love the uh i love the you know the the tone shift there it's it's great Mm-hmm. So, what's up yeah. next Ooh. do you uh, want to go well, mike do you want me to go i'll, I'll go so okay okay um my first one and a few other ones are based on a meme um a meme of lisa simpson's i'm um, mm-hmm. giving the her it's the honest opinion meme mm-hmm. uh, where where lisa simpson is ranting about why don't they make remakes of movies that failed Instead of remaking the movies that were iconic. Right. And that is so true. And one of the movies that failed gloriously, and everyone will tell you, um, despite the best efforts, it didn't honor the book. 
Um, it didn't honor the readers of the book, and it the story just had some trouble, and that is the movie Aragon. Um, Aragon had a huge following. Like, if you weren't into Harry Potter, you were into Aragon. Um, so they did really well, and then the monster came out, or the Aragon movie came out, and um, everyone was all agreed that this wasn't the movie to honor the book. And so yeah, I hate when that happens. Yes. Didn't they make it a video game too? Wasn't it like yes. a PlayStation yeah. game? Yeah. So, and I don't know if that did any better, but then the, the story of Aragon kind of like fell off the face of the earth. Like it was no longer like, like the disappointment was so heavy that people didn't want to go back to the book. And maybe the writer themselves didn't want to go and say, you know, if this is how Hollywood treats my work, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm done. And so mm. I, I feel like Aragon, if any movie deserves a second chance, and it's about dragons, you know, right? heroes raising dragons and villains raising dragons. So we already know that you can't get enough of that. <laughs> no, I didn't right. see the movie. Um, what, what, what were the, the downfalls of the movie? Well, I know you touched upon that. It didn't really represent the book. Well, like what specifically mm. about the movie? Um, well, I sat next to my sister mm. who, you know, and she had just read the book. So she was very, very well into them. Um, and she, apparently they switched out the whole entire ending. They wanted like a, blazing guns things exploding ending so the sorcerer um instead of like the ending that the book had it had this this ending where the evil sorcerer conjured up this magical dragon that was like the final boss and i you know i remember my sister elizabeth saying what the you know this yeah this is you know you know this is what so I remembered. That's, that's just yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. That's and from one example. And from what I remember from, because I also saw the movie, um, I think part of it was, um, and you can tell when people are fans of the the book and are good at adapting, because I, I think that there's like a misconception a lot of times. People are like, oh, the, the, the Lord of the Rings, you know, the original trilogy it's it's so good. It's such a faithful adaptation. And you're like, well, yes and no. Like, if you want to go literally, you know, from the book to the movie, it's, you know, they, they miss some stuff. But more importantly, what Peter Jackson does is that he takes, you know, what makes the books so great, the spirit of the books, and he translates it so well into the movie. And he's, he, he honors it by, you know, it's his, it's his version of his interpretation of the movie. And the person, whoever made, you know, the Aragon movie, it just felt like somebody gave him the spark notes of, like, what the book was. And then was like, okay, make this movie. And, uh, and then I think it kind of falls into the the classic, like, early 2000s, you know, mid-budget movie traps where, you know, the CGI isn't the greatest, the actors aren't the best, and the writing kind of just falls flat. So it just it's just like a perfect storm of like, oh, this is just gonna be mediocre at best. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll say that because I got a little bit of a different mm. perspective. 
Mm. Um, you know, when you make, I'm just looking at it from the view of like sure. a studio executive, right? You know, you got a book, you got a, you got a, a, a I'm sure I, I would assume was a best-selling book at the time. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what? If if I was the executive at the, whatever studio made this, you know who? Okay, it's a best-selling book. What was the age? What was the target age group of of these sales? Like, is it fourteen mm. to seventeen? You know, is it young adult male? Is it young adult female? Mm. Um, mm. And then and then what happens is is you you when you make the movie, you got to go. Okay, well, we're not selling this movie to just boys and girls age 13 to 17 or you know right. 8 to 12 or whatever the number is you know we're, we're making this movie f- for everyone so right. how do we take this story and kind of make it more broad and you know right. and am i am i saying this is good or bad i'm not saying either way but you got to right. kind of see it from like a a business point of view where it's like how do we get more people into the theater? Can we can we add a love story to bring in older people? Can we, right. you know? So it sounds like it's just one of those unfortunate movies where, like, the studios were probably getting nervous. They weren't getting a lot of um, traction um, from maybe older adults. And mm-hmm. uh, they tried just putting a bunch of stuff into the story that didn't really represent the books. But they were trying to repre- trying to put things in there to kind of broaden the appeal to a, a more generalized audience, if For that sure. makes any sense. No, a hundred percent. And I I can totally see where that would come into play because, like, unlike you know Chronicles of Narnia or you know Lord of the Rings, where those had time to build up an audience base, you know, the people that went to go see the movie, you know, in the early two thousands, you know, they'd read the books when they were kids. You Great know. point great point um, and then but, the parents gave those books exactly, to their kids exactly so you had you had a large you had a huge group of ages and mm-hmm. men women you know it you're that that's such a great point that that's a really uh nice yeah <laughs> i appreciate that and then so then that aragon book they it came out probably within 10 years of its movie coming out so yes you know, I, again so like that movie was made you know, probably in response to like, oh, people went to go see the Chronicles of Narnia. You know, there's this, you know, there's this groundswell of interest in these, you know, young adult fiction, you know, novels becoming movies. Let's just make this one. This one is, you know, making money on a bestselling list, but then it doesn't necessarily translate because, like, you know, your, you know, 24 to 35 male demographic didn't read this book because it was written for 14 year old children. Yeah. And it, correct it's, me if I'm wrong, but the writer does get some say in the movie. I mean, they don't not always. I mean, it depends on mm-hmm. you know what the rights are. I mean, they can say, "Hey, we want to buy the rights to your book, and we'll give you you know." Again, I'm just making up numbers. I'm, this has right, I'm right. Totally just pulling this out of a hat. We'll give you two million dollars for the rights of your book. But okay, cool. Thanks. Okay, cool. Now we'll sit on it and do nothing and we won't even make the movie and you can't do anything with it forever or we'll make it a movie and we'll do whatever we want to it because we own the rights to it or if it's like a harry potter type thing where it, it just kind of depends like you have to think of yeah. everything from a business perspective where it's like mm-hmm. if the studio goes against 
the writer, the fans are going to be pissed and you don't want right. to piss off the fans. <laughs> right. So, you know, was the Aragon writer like were people reading Aragon because they loved the writer? Probably not. I mean, hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But were they, or were they just interested in it because it was a unique story about dragons, and during that time period, dragons were really big for kids, you know. So, yeah, just something for, to consider, you know. Right, for sure, for sure. Oh, yeah. oh Mike, that's a that's a great recommend or recommendation for the list. I I like that a lot. And um, if you feel like you're in a good spot to move on, Mike, I'd love to. Oh talk yeah, about mine. yeah. Let's go um, through these. Yeah, I and so I I can't believe that this hasn't happened yet. Um but I I would love a because you know Forrest Gump, so my movie's Forrest Gump. And I I believe that there's I believe that there's enough time. So like cuz the the time frame for that movie right is like what 1950 to 1980. Um it feels like there's just as much history that has happened from 1980 to 2010 or whatever how many years you want to go um i i and i don't i don't even know if i i wouldn't even necessarily even write it as like force gump a sequel but just the idea of somebody uh experiencing what that looks like to go from you know the cold war into you know into the 90s into uh, you know, into the the early two thousands with the internet and and stuff like that. Like, I I really, I I just really want to see someone like Tom Hanks just be involved in everything from, you know, uh, uh, you know, just the Iran Contra affair, and then you know, also being there when Facebook gets invented. Um, I I you know, I I just want to see that, and I feel like there's, um, so much history just in that time frame that like 30 40 years um i don't even know i wouldn't even know how to what i would do to to, to pitch it i wouldn't even say that it's like a like a a sequel but i would yeah. just like to see it moved into the present and yeah. just to see what they would do with that so so adam mm. let me tell you the number yeah. 5 for mine was forest comp oh yeah <laughs> but mm. here's why Okay. Because okay. The book is bananas compared to what the movie is. Oh, oh really? I haven't read the um, book, so I didn't yeah. know. So in the book, there's it's about a man's life growing up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Forrest Gump is like six foot five, and he's like yeah. a big dude. So that's sure. the one thing they don't get. He mm-hmm. wrestles under the name the Dunce as a pro wrestler. <laughs> he okay. goes into space. He gets <laughs> captured by like militant in like militant like terrorists. Sure. Um, so they left all that out of the book. Then there's a sequel where he does oh. like 80s stuff. Where okay. Where he captures, like he, he invents new Coke. Okay. Um, he, he plays for, um, I think it's the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Um, and I think they, they, almost, they almost made a script based on the fact that he played the, in the NFL. So okay. there was supposed to be a sequel. He mm-hmm. captures Saddam Hussein. What and he he goes to the Oscars to meet yeah. the real Tom Hanks and learn about like because they made a movie based on his life. Sure, yeah. So I was actually going to talk about we need to go back to the roots of the book. Which no, is, I like, I love that. 
Yeah, Forrest Gump is like a comedy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, and I, and for me, I guess how I would even just maybe bring it forward, I, I would like to see them, even if they shot it in like three different decades in the film styles of each of those kind of decades with like, you know, into the into the modern like 2000s, just like being more, um, I don't know, think like 2008 Iron Man, right? Like with the, you know, the all the fancy, you know, cuts and the CGI and the action. And then the 90s just being more just classic, like you got mail um, or, <laughs> you know, you know, 90s when you when you think of like 90s, like soft focus, kind of weird, very serious dialogue with just like two people like sitting next to each other. Um, yeah, it, it just in and then the 80s was just like the flash and the glam and um, right. you know that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's what that's what I would love to see. Um, but I I love that you that we were on the same wavelength that you picked uh, for us. Right. But I everything that you said in that book sounds a million times bonk, like way bonkier than right, what, uh, right. what I came up with. Everyone should either read the book to be more appreciative of how <laughs> Hollywood handles books sometimes. Right. Or just to get pure entertainment. Right, for sure. Okay. Um, number two. I just want to say on a quick note for that last Oh, thing, yeah. You ha- I just want to say that, um, you know, not not to stick up for the studios, but, yeah. you know, sometimes things work better in books than they do on film. For sure. And, uh, you know, when you're telling a story in under two hours and you're having the character, you know, fighting or playing Super Bowls and then going to space and stuff, it becomes a little <laughs> bit too unbelievable and sure. spectacular. Right. <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing. I, I, yeah. I, it actually sounds awesome. Right. But hearing you guys say that, in my head, looking at it from a studio executive's perspective, I kind of I was I was kind of agreeing with the mm. choices that they made and and oh, in, in making it a sure. little bit more tangible. But Absolutely. but I I just want to yeah. say we we can move on. I just want to say I think it's a great idea to yeah. make like the next generation of Forrest Gump. But not mm. not it won't be called Forrest Gump. But right. yeah, like what's what's we need to make like the next Forrest Gump. Totally, that's right. a great idea. Love it. Yeah. Loving it. Okay. Well, what's your what's your second idea there, Sam? Um, second one is now. This is an interesting one because it has been remade. Yes. But it's but it's still terrible. <laughs> so the the original was made in 1960 and it's a film called Village of the Damned. Have yeah. any of you guys mm-hmm. seen it? I I just it's is one that of the my one with the kids. It's with the kids, yes. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. it's such I don't know, every time I I watch it at least once a year and it, it just every time I I watch it it's just it's it's just got such a great eerie vibe and tone and it, it it's such a timeless story because it's it's you know it's it's just about children and it, it was of course remade by John Carpenter in yeah. 1995 which I don't think it did it justice but I, I think that I don't think it would be a theatrical release I think it would do well as like a um a Netflix release a Netflix original uh-huh. 
Um, mm. But I, I think a modern version of this movie would do very well. And I, I think it would, you know, I, I think you could do, you could make it really cool um, with an update. Yeah, for sure. No, it definitely gives me kind of like A24 midsummer yes. vibes. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. Does yeah, it give I'd... you midsummer vibes? <laughs> uh, get out or <laughs> uh, those, all those. Yeah, no, there, there's such a, there's such a huge market for it. Um, I really do think that the, um, where big theaters have kind of, you know, the the mid budget movie has struggled. I think the Netflix and streaming services and smaller companies like A24 have definitely done them a service in, in, in bringing those back and giving those, you know, movie scripts a chance. Because a hundred percent, yeah. And you know, you you love to see it, and you know, that's where you know where would Florence Pugh be right now if it wasn't for you know you know Midsummer or um, you know same thing with. Yeah, uh, Greta Gerwig. You know, would she would she have a chance to to direct Barbie if she didn't do um, you know Little Women? So, you know, these 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 budget these these smaller budget high concept ideas, I think, are are, are huge. And um, no, I, I I love I love that. And I think the 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 horror genre too is just so there's such a an audience for that. People that really do want to watch it and. Um, you know that's why they're able to to continue to make things like uh, a sloth serial killer movie because people will go and see it. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And and what's cool about it too is it's it's a horror genre. But the, mm-hmm. what what's so co- unique about this movie to me is that there's no nothing really even happens in it. Right. <laughs> like there's no action sequences. There's no, you know, there's really nothing. And and for some reason, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It's just the writing and and the the concept of it all is just so unique and in eerie i just uh if you haven't seen it i definitely highly recommend it mm. and watch watch the original 1960 version <laughs> perfect <laughs> yeah no that's that's great yeah I, I was trying to think of like the last kind of movie i guess it would be the closest thing is like i guess get out where there's like it, that that's the horror but like there's not really but there even in get out there's still some actiony stuff happening, action-y but not really movie. though. You know, right. it's more—it's just all like it's like psychological, exactly, uh, ideas and concepts. Right. You know, it's yeah, it's cool. That stuff's cool. No, oh, it's good. At least that's good. No, no, totally. There's a market for it. All right, Mike, what's your what's your number two? So this one is more. I was just curious to see mm. what modern directors would do. If we mm. took the 1990 film Ghost, directed by oh. Jerry Zucker, starring Patrick wow. Swayze and Demi Moore, and made it for today's audiences. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's one of those movies that was like really hit well and is like, you could probably burn up a few podcast episodes talking about what they did well and how this was an actually good movie per Patrick Swayze. And, um, I guess maybe there's no uh, market for it, but like, what would ghosts look like in 2023? Like, who would be the Patrick Swayze? <laughs> the equivalent. Who would be the Demi Moore? <laughs> Is it yeah. Oprah in that too? Yeah, <laughs> or, Whoopi uh, Goldberg. Or Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, that's that's yeah, an interesting that's, choice, Mike. Yeah. I would have never <laughs> I would have never guessed that one, but that's you know, cool. There's, there's so much money on the table or not on the table uh, that I just thought, you know, some writer has to be thinking about this, right? Somebody. Um, and this is purely on looks alone, but I would love to see Joe Keery in that role. Um, just on his mullet alone, the uh, he's the uh, the older kid that he plays Steve Harrington in uh, Stranger Things. Um, that's, I'm sure that's he'd the be only, great. That's the only thing I can contribute. He'd probably have to get a little bit bigger to be Swayze, but um, he's got the same hair. <laughs> well, Mike, I gotta know. Say, yeah. say say the 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 studio head over at Warner Brothers calls you and they're like, Mike, we heard this <laughs> idea from you. Come and pitch this to us. What would your pitch be well, to remake this movie? I got to know. <laughs> yeah, this is great. I'm like, you know how America loves revenge mm. films, mm. and they love the supernatural. What if I told you that the highest grossing film of 1990? Hardy came up with the story. We just need to modernize it. Mr. Warner, Mr. Brothers, thank you so much for your time. But we have <laughs> Joe Carey. I have him on speed dial right now to do this film. Right now. Yes. <laughs> Dole, let's get the writers in here. Get the writers on it immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get in on it. That's right. great. That was great. I love that. That's good. That's good. I love that. Um, leading into uh, leading into that, um, you know, movies that came out uh, in the past and giving it just a, a modern gloss over. And this is something that um, me and my friends were talking about because we we love Bill Murray, as as I'm sure many of you, you know, many of our listeners and and those of you on the podcast also love Bill Murray. Um, I was waffling between either um, "What About Bob" and Groundhog Day, and I think I ended up I landed on uh, wanting to 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 remake Groundhog Day because it just feels right. Like it, like how funny would it be? Like the sequel to the movie is you know Bill Murray coming back into another Groundhog Day situation, um, but this time he's just older and he has to like navigate whether it's like oh he's stuck in this time loop again or does he have alzheimer's or like what is like what is what is actually happening and um i I would just also love to see how somebody would play with the like the time displacement with modern technology instead of like you know 90s technology or whatever it takes Mm -hmm. place um like like what would it look like with cell phones would he be able to you know, would he be able to, you know, like how many shows on Netflix would he be able to binge because he's just reliving the same day over and over again? Would he be able to to reach out to somebody on the internet? Um, yeah, so I, I just love the idea. And I, I would keep Bill Murray because I definitely want him to be older and, yeah, also playing with the idea of his, like, advancing age. And, you know, is it because he's stuck in a time vortex again or is it, you know, because he's aging? Um, I just purely, I really, what I want is to just get Bill Murray in front of a screen and just to see what would happen in front of a camera and just see what happened in with a vague script. I don't even, 
I don't even know, but I would just love for I I think there's the it would just lean in on um just him working that character and being in that space, but like also with the setting now instead of them dealing with um the time period from the original film. I love it. I th- I think it's freaking genius. And and would you have it um be like a continuation from the original so like in this universe mm. he he knew, he was he he was aware that he also was in a groundhog's day in the past. Yeah. So it's happening to him again and he knows that it's happening to him again. Exactly. Or would it be a whole, it's oh my god that's I, I yeah. love it. That's so cool. Yeah, I I think it'd be really funny. Yeah, and I I would also love um, if he were to um, just like leaning into the whole like online conspiracy stuff and just have him even even if it's just like a memento situation, right? Where he's like leaving himself a trail like online or I don't even I don't even I wouldn't even know. But I again, like I think I just want Bill Murray to play with his face. So I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Did you have you seen I, I'm assuming you've seen Groundhog Day. Yes, and I I also came to that conclusion. Like, would he know? Would he be like, oh no, again? And I mean, obviously, he it can't be about him changing his life. Um, but maybe it's like a sweeter version where he has a kid now, or like a granddaughter, and he has to change her life. Right, right. But he figures that out like at zero hour. Right, you know, no, I think that's, I think that's good. I think there's, um, no, that's a great I, I, idea. Yeah, I like that. That is kind of like Happy Death Day, like, right? They, they really played with that, but like, mm. made it about murder. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, number three. Moving along. Number three. Um, have you guys seen the movie The Game? Oh, is that a, the '90s version? 1997, David Fincher. Yeah. Yep, yep. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, yes. Yeah. Oh my god, I just think it's such a it's such a perfect movie for a remake because you could really pick it pick it up anywhere. You know, it it could be a whole new. It you don't even need to make a callback to the old film. You can if you want to, but just. A whole new game of new new uh, uh have you guys seen it or not um i no i've heard good things about it i heard that like this is one of michael douglas's shining moments and it's got like an interesting thriller type aspect to it yeah, yeah. and sean have penn's you... great in it too yeah absolutely i, I just I, I don't know it's just it's such a simple concept but it, I I just think it's it, it could be such a huge franchise, and again, it doesn't even have to be a theatrical release. I think it could be, but um, you know, I'm always thinking like business wise. But it, sure. I think I think it could be easily like a huge franchise for for Netflix or a Paramount Plus to pick up, where you just do like you do like three movies, you do a three movie deal. I don't know. It could even be like a series too. It would be a fantastic series. Mm-hmm. Episodic, episodic. Um, yeah, for for sure. Um, I I I love that. I do you think that you would 
want to lean into more of the like would you want to lean more into like a world uh, a world building scenario like where you know like the the movie because like and that one i think what intrigues me the most about the game is like the the universe and like i it feels it feels like you can take like any character or any actors you know that work together and you put them in that scenario and and in the plot you're like oh yeah like i could see how this would work would you want to like like, yeah no because i'm thinking like mm. squid game like yeah exactly absolutely huge and this could be you know squid game is obviously netflix but so like if paramount plus pick this up this would be Paramount Plus Plus's Squid Game, and you can. Right. I mean, it, I just see I see money written all over it, and um, yeah, total world building because the characters start uncovering like who's behind the game, you know, right. or maybe maybe it's not a game because that's that's the whole fun of the movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think there's so much potential with this, sure. this whole concept. It's such a great foundation to just build from. Mm, no, I think that's no. I think you're you're right on there. Um, yeah, because the, the Squid Game, I mean, undeniable hit, and um, I also it also gives me kind of like, um, I think it's more nuanced than the Saw trilogy, like the the Saw movies. Um, but it 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 has that same sort of um vibe to it, right? Like the uh the the psychological torture right that they're they're going through it's not necessarily the things that they're doing it's just more when the audience gets put into the the scenarios and that makes you kind of kind of squirm and um I, I think that where the the game and and um squid games like also really thrives is that it's not about the events the events themselves almost feel like a distraction from like the overall story a hundred percent, yeah. Where the overall story is really where the horror is happening, and whereas like the the stuff the stuff that they're going through is just like a distraction for like really what's going on over top. And oh. it, it does, yeah. A hundred percent agree. Right, and it feels like three movies or something would give the audience and and, and the studio time to kind of explore everything. Well, I love it totally, and it could even be just like Squid Games in the sense that I mean, this movie follows one character, Michael right. Douglas. But it, obviously, if you made an episodic of it, um, you can have it like a group of characters that this is happening mm-hmm. to. And, you know, maybe they don't know each other at the start of the show. But then as the show goes on, they, they somehow inter- meet up with each other. Then they find out, well, why were we picked or, you know, how, how are we connected? There's just you can do. It's endless. It's absolutely endless. You're totally mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Hey, Mike, number three. OK, so. This one is like a puzzle for my brain. Do, who, who would who would lead into it? But I always thought that the the art of parody movies and the and satire movies uh, has been like lacking, mm. and for good reasons because usually the <laughs> ones that come out make like ten thousand um, dollars. You know, movies like Scary Movie, one through <laughs> five, um, but. I've always wanted to see what a naked gun uh, modernized yeah. remake would look like now. Um, it's so sad we can't get Leslie Nielsen. Mm. Um, I personally can't think of who would replace him. 
but I I know that uh, I want Terry Crews to be in it. <laughs> um, I want Octavia Spencer. For some reason, I think she'd be hilarious. Mm. Um, there's so many people I would want in this, but I don't know who would play Frank Drebin. Right. And we we couldn't get O.J. Simpson, so I'm trying to think. Maybe Terry <laughs> Crews could replace O.J. Simpson. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I'm running through the list in my mind of of people like, and I, I don't think anyone is a perfect fit, but like I'd start with maybe like Steve Carell or like Steve Martin, right? But yeah, you're right. I I because what makes those movies so great is is Leslie Nielsen and his delivery and his timing. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I would definitely would love to see. I would love to see that because yeah. Because Airplane, um, you know, is based on, like, an older black-and-white disaster movie. Right. Those and, were huge. Yeah, and I would love to see someone make something, you know, making fun of, like, The Meg or, you know, making fun of, you know, 2012 or something like that. Like, right. you know, I could see it. Right. Hilarious. Yeah, like who? What actor would not care that he had to be silly for like an hour and a half? <laughs> and like Leslie Nielsen, like he did not care how silly he had to be. Right. But like I could see other actors maybe complaining, like oh, really, you know? Right. Like a twenty four studio wants me, guys. I don't have time for your Naked Gun movie. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's tough I, shoes to fill, but there's got there's definitely someone out there. Yeah. Right. Right. No, for sure. I mean, I like the closest I can kind of get is like with you know Simon Pegg and him doing all the stuff with like the Cornello trilogy, like Shaun of the Dead and yeah. um, Hot Fuzz. Like those are kind of in the same vein. Um, so I I could see him maybe taking a shot at it, but yeah, no, I I I I would love to see a a, a modern. A modern version, maybe with Zach Galifianakis. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Or uh, the guy who played Weird Al in the Weird Al movie. Oh, um, <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> yeah, he'd be great. I. Yeah, he he has done such an incredible job of going against type. Um, I loved him in Guns Akimbo. <laughs> This is such a silly movie. Yeah, he's perfect. Which is kind of like the game, actually, or the the movie we were just talking about. Because he like he wakes up and he has like these two guns like drilled into his hands, so he can't like take them off, and he has to he has to like um he's like given directions on these people that he that are also playing in this game, and they have to like kill each other. So he has to like go find them, and he has to like shoot them with stuff. It's it's insane, but yeah, no, maybe Daniel Radcliffe that'd be great. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, my number three movie. Um, super excited about this one. Um, because really, um, I I want Home Alone two, Lost in New York, but I want everybody to retain the the roles that they had. <laughs> and so it's like Macaulay Culkin now and it's Donald Trump now and like it's but nobody 
Um, but nobody like Joe Pesci like now, but nobody acknowledges that they're old. It's the same. It's literally just the same movie, but it's just them old. <laughs> oh my gosh! I have a Patreon that's trying to get that off the ground. <laughs> It's it's the same movie, and there's you know all the the movies that we talked about so far have been like within the realm of possibility. There's no way this movie could get made, but I I would just pay anything for you know post President Donald Trump to be like take my limousine and like gesture across <laughs> like a thing to like a fifty year old Macaulay Culkin, um, because probably <laughs> Macaulay Culkin is the same age now. As when Donald Trump was in that movie, <laughs> Home Alone Two. Right. <laughs> I'm so sold on this. Him. They need to make this right now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I have no notes other than it's it's the same movie just now. <laughs> mm-hmm. That literally wow. needs to be made right now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, people, people would love that, like a hundred percent, for sure. For sure. And yeah, I, yeah, just leaning in because it feels, it definitely feels like movies are so serious. And, and I love, I love serious movies. Like I love Oppenheimer. We love it. But like sometimes movies just need to be silly. And this one just feels silly. And I love it. Right. Now, should the, the, when he gets to the traps in the house, should they be based on like the real injuries you would suffer? Thus making it an R rating, or would it still be the? <laughs> um, I I think that there's a I think there's something to be said for like a gritty reboot, um, <laughs> but I don't want that to be in my movie. I I want it to be, you know, I want it to have the same PG rating. Um, I I want it to be silly and goofy, and yeah, and I think that will make it. Um, that's what will make it like horrifying because you're watching and you're like this is weird and off-putting and i love it and i can't look away but kind of like the room right <laughs> you're like this is a train wreck this is this is this shouldn't be happening in front of me but it is and i accept it yes i'm gonna get on the phone with the studios tomorrow yes I know you have you have an in with the studios. Why do you think we invited you? Yeah, right. They're not gonna listen to anything I say. But... Yes. If if I did, if they did, I would, this would be the first thing I would pitch. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And you know, you know, Donald Trump's not doing too much right now, right? He doesn't have anything on his plate. He's he's got some free time. Right, right. <laughs> oh man. Okay, number. Where are we at? Number four. Plugging right. along. I, I, I think it's funny, like, mm. my choices are, like, I'm looking at it from, like, a studio exec, like, business, sure. like, what's going to make money and how, yeah, who, yeah. you know, like, you guys are, like, choosing, like, these fun, like, things, like, <laughs> I'm, like, like, I'm, like, thinking, like, okay, what's going to profit and make the studio money? <laughs> and we're no, thinking I... what's going to can the studio. <laughs> yeah, like... I know. <laughs> hey, you know, it, it. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with either perspective. <laughs> yes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um mm. actually this one this one actually is kind of like not this is this is just kind of my own. Uh, it's it is interesting though that we have such different mm. choices. But okay, Enemy of the State with Will Smith. I just oh. think that came out in nineteen ninety eight. 
you know, we're 20 years later, the technology of like, you know, the, the, the government and all the crazy technology and cell phones and stuff. Mm. I just, I just think that, that this would be a really cool reboot with the right actors. Um, there's just so much that has changed in the country and, you know, over 20 years now, I think you could do something really cool with it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Would you have Will Smith back or would you go with somebody? No, it would be, it would younger. be totally different cast. Okay. I wouldn't okay. even know. I would, didn't think too far ahead of it, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't know if you guys seen the movie or not, but it's, it's, it's a really cool movie and it just shows you it, like, yeah. like mm. how far the, the, like all the crazy technology and how far government will go to like protect its secrets and, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. I know. Like the funny thing is he they they embedded this chip into a uh, turbo graphic 16 <laughs> uh, which i thought that's awesome mm. like that's like in in yours it would probably be embedded into a nintendo switch right <laughs> exactly yeah yes or a steam deck <laughs> yeah or or right into his skin right yeah but, you know i i haven't noticed a lot of like political intrigue thrillers Mm. Um, they're not that popular now. Like I, I remember in the nineties, like every month had a, you know, political intrigue thriller, <laughs> you know, the government versus the man. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the, the closest thing I think that's coming out like now is like having the succession having just finished. And I mean, it's not a, a one for one sort of thing, but, um, yeah, you're right. I think that. The days of like West Wing and, um, you know, the, those political kind of dramas. Yeah, no, it, it definitely felt. Yeah, there there hasn't been anything out quite like that. Or like your, yeah, I your mean, por- I I wouldn't even necessarily say that mm-hmm. it's a political thriller, just more of a um, a thriller. Yeah, right, right. I don't know. I just I just thought a lot has mm-hmm. changed with technology and the capabilities of the government today and. I yeah. think it it'd be it'd be cool to uh to see an update yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, for sure. I I think if I were to to recast it, I would I think you have to go with Michael B. Jordan I, in Will Smith's role. Um anybody else, I'm not really sure. You just insert insert whoever, I guess, but yeah, I I think Yeah, exactly. Someone like that. Yeah, or someone... you could you could do a cross genre and you could oh. do it could be like a comedy. You know, where it's, oh. where it's like, like you said, Zach Elfanakis and like the government's chasing him down, but like <laughs> he doesn't quite know that yeah. they're chasing him down, but everything yeah. he does is like outsmarting them because he's so silly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, I love did that. a movie like that with John Hamm where he becomes a, like an accidental spy. Mm. What movie's that? Oh my gosh. It's. There's one. There was one scene from mm. that movie that just made me laugh, and that's when he's <laughs> typing into his just phone. one. Yeah, really, like literally, this phone like made me laugh uncontrollably. My wife thought I was so weird. <laughs> um, uh, Gal Gadot was also in it. Like, oh, what they what play? Is this movie? They play like a tag team of spies, and like Zach Galifianakis and his wife get roped into it, and. Oh my gosh! Um, there's he's trying to 
He's trying to write in his phone. I wish I hadn't let, you know, John Ham dupe me, but it like autocorrects to I wish I hadn't let John Ham diaper me. <laughs> and that just makes me laugh every time. So uh like like the, we had to pause the movie practically because I was laughing. Is it uh Confess Fletch? Oh no. no. Uh Okay, you guys keep talking. I'm gonna look this up. Yeah, like I gotta, I gotta know now. This sounds, this sounds intriguing. Um, that's great. Well, so it's for my up with the Joneses. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two thousand definitely watching this. Oh, it mm-hmm. sounds interesting. Yeah, I have to check it out. Isla Fisher's in it. Wow, mm-hmm. what a what a cast. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, my next one, and this also feels like another genre that has just been left behind. Um, but I want to, I want a remake of Homeward Bound. Uh, we were talking about it at work the other day, the original movie, and it's it's so like the kids' movies nowadays. It just feels like you know there's there's a Paw Patrol movie coming out that I'm sure will do great. I'll make a lot of money. But, I mean, I, I, there's just something about those, like, animal, real-life, animal actor movies. And I'm sure it's so hard to, like, to try and do an animal cast movie now. Um, in comparison. They just came out with Strays, which is Strays. an all-dog cast. Um, oh, that's right. With, uh, is it Dwayne the Rock Johnson and... Will Ferrell. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, no, I I would love to see a a Homer Bound remake, um, and yeah, like I I just miss I, maybe it's the nostalgia talking, but um, yeah, that that like kind of era of like Air Bud and all those movies. Maybe I'll maybe I'll give Strays a chance, um, but yeah, like I I just love the idea of you know getting uh you know animals in precarious situations and then them triumphing and um really the that the scene at the end where it's not shadow uh what is i forgot the dog's name um when they think he's not going to come back and then he comes up over the hill and he's he's there yes yes um and yeah it's just there's just something magical about that and um in those movies so i you know i you know i just want I, I just want, I guess I just yearn for the simpleness <laughs> and the uh, joy and family and friendship and cute animals doing cute stuff. Yeah. What's, I, w- I could, I, I wouldn't, I could see it totally happening. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but mm. every year they always, they always come, they always throw out a, a few animal movies. And, mm. and, and I don't know if you guys have noticed that, noticed this, but. They always throw out at least one movie with a girl and a horse. That's <laughs> like a must for studios. I don't know why, but <laughs> a girl just, and a horse movie. <laughs> yeah, people just need it, I guess. <laughs> people, there's a market. Um, but but I love this idea of just like going back to like, you know, it's not about big franchises or mm. big set pieces. It's literally just like a wholesome family simple concept it's about family and animals i love it 
I, I think we should move back to that sort of stuff for sure. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I mean, I don't get me wrong, like I love, I love all the Marvel stuff. I you know I'll, I'll shill out money to go see it any day of the week, but it it definitely does feel like you know there's there's not as much variety as as there was you know back in the day, and um, you know I'm I'm sure that there's uh you know marketing involved and all that, but um yeah I I just you know I I guess I yearn for the days when I could go to the theater and I could be like yeah like do I want to see like a Terminator action film or do I want to see Airbud or do I want to you know watch Mighty Ducks you know the 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 options. I mm-hmm. love it. I'm I'm so on board. And my actual my actually next pick goes perfectly with this. Boy, Hun- honey, I shrunk the kids. Yes, that's <laughs> so great. <laughs> it's oh, just such a man. simple, easy concept, and it, yeah, you just, it rates itself. They made no, a video I... game based on it. <laughs> no way. What system? Well, I mean, I mean, it's the, a spiritual successor called mm. Grounded from Xbox, where it's like a it's a a sandbox game. Mm. Where you live in, you're shrunk into your your backyard, and you have to survive, and by oh killing God. like tiny little mites and using blades of <laughs> Is there grass. Ant fights? So there's there's spider <laughs> fights, and the spider okay. fights are actually so scary that you can you there's an option to tone it down. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, no, I I I love I love that idea. Um, and I would also like to see because there's like a thing in like '90s, early 2000s, like sci-fi that was kind of like that, where they were just the the technology just felt goofy, you know, like goofy but fun. So I would like to see how that would translate into like modern, like what that would look like with like cell phones and stuff like that, you know? Yes, hell yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see it now. They're just like. They're standing on an iPad and they have to like jump to, to like. It, oh my hit god, letters. that's hilarious! <laughs> that's uh, hilarious. And, and it like... keeps auto correcting. <laughs> right, right. And they yeah. would it be would it be kids or would it be R? Where like, you know, I'm not mm. saying Seth like a Seth Rogen type movie with like Jonah Hill and like, yeah, or you know, like what I'm, you could go. Ah, there's just so much potential. You can go either way. <laughs> I, I right. just think you copy paste the cast, the kids from uh, Stranger Things. Into it? <laughs> yeah. That would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I do think that you need like a, a, a silly, fun adult, someone like a Seth Rogen. I, Seth Rogen would say yes for sure. I mean, he did the Mario movie. So he'll Will say yes Ferrell would probably be yeah. in it. Will oh, Ferrell. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love it. No, I think that's I think that's great, and yeah, I I just think it translates like because I think the what the movie the spirit of that movie just translates well, right? Like it's it's not about it's not high concept. It's just like hey, like this is this is about like a, at the end of the day, it's a it's a family movie, and the you know the values that that all encompasses, and just having fun together and ex- exploring this this universe, mm-hmm. but they're small, so I, I love it. Yes. It's a cool idea, but it's not as cool as Home Alone 2 reboot rebooted. <laughs> Home Alone 2.5. <laughs> yeah, Home Alone 2.5. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Are we yeah. on our fifth round? Because yeah, I this is the last I, one. I have actually two more because the one oh. that I shot out was actually just like to build oh. off of yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know that's fine. That's fine. But that's it. Kind of works out because you took my, uh, you took well, you you know we Fourth both tried the Forrest Gump, mm. and I've been fighting to find a movie, and I found like three different replacements. <laughs> but, I'm going to do just a quick, you know, shoot them off like bullets. Mm. Okay, so Dumb and Dumber 2023. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. With Chris Pratt and Tom Holland. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Going, you know, going to Aspen to get bring back a, uh, a suitcase because Chris Pratt fell in love. Right. Um, saying just the most moronic things to each other. Right. And... You know, they kind of already test cased this movie with, uh, <laughs> you know, Onward. So we know it works. Right. We just need more dumb humor. My other idea is a remake of Who Framed Roger Rabbit called Who Remade Roger Rabbit <laughs> with today's current cartoon stars. So That's he's great. living in a world with SpongeBob, regular show, <laughs> the annoying orange, Coco yeah. Melon adventure. Yeah, time. I love it. Bluey. Yes, and yeah, he's fighting like uh, does he want to be a YouTube star where he gets a million followers? You know, does he want to <laughs> be like one of those horrible kid shows? Or right. does he want to be a golden classic? Right. I would just love the idea of maybe Mr. Beast being the bad guy because he's like a YouTube star. <laughs> he's killing off children's cartoons. Right. I mean, there's so much use for uh, a movie made with YouTube influencers. Right. Um, they tried to make a... So on Paramount Plus right now, there's this movie called Airplane Mode, which is all starring YouTube influencers. Mm. And it's supposed to be like a spiritual sequel to Airplane. It's supposed to be dumb humor, and it's got um, Paul, what's his name, Logan, Logan Paul, and oh. other just like famous mm. YouTubers. And mm -hmm. it's really just stupid, raunchy humor. It's like uh, awful, but um, I thought the idea of them being the next, like doing a like a throwaway comedy movie, was a great idea. Um, yeah, I love so that. So maybe, maybe these guys, if they're not busy, could be on my movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. And did you see um, that that new Chip and Dale Rescue Ranger movie? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I love that because they they kind of you know they do some stuff like that. Like they bring in um, the original CGI Sonic, like how he yes. was before the remake. So yeah, I, I would love I'd love to see like visual gags like that. Like, I think that's that's great. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit is such a classic. Like that's one of my favorite movies of all time. That's so great. Yeah, it was so ambitious for its time. Right. How did they I get the rights to all those? You you see mm. Mickey Mouse in the background. Mm. So what were we saying there, Sam? Oh, I was just gonna say I hate to admit, it, but I never saw it. So I'm that's definitely uh, one I'm gonna watch. Yeah, definitely do it. It's great. It's it's very good. Um, so for my, uh, my final movie, and I guess maybe this will, this, 
I, I guess I would do the maybe the first three as well. But what bothers me to no end is how tonally different the first three Fast and the Furious movies are from the rest of the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh my god, so true. <laughs> so I would want to just remake the original three, but just in the style of the modern Fast and the Furious movies. And maybe maybe it's like a we'll do an extended multiverse situation. I don't know. They they've come up with crazier ideas like shooting cars into space. So I'm sure they could figure out a multiverse saga for Fast and the Furious. But I would just love to see um them just bring the, the original trilogy into uh their uh their modern craziness. Um, like, don't get me wrong, like, I love the first, like, you know, the first two are just so, they're, they're just, like, staples of my, like, adolescence, mm-hmm. like, they were among the first, like, PG-13-ish movies that I saw, and so they, they hold a special place for me, um, but I, yeah, it, it definitely feels its age when you watch them, so I would love to see just maybe an update in, um, just the visuals and maybe some of the cars and, um, yeah, and, and I don't even know what they would do because, like, I don't know, it, it'd be hard because, you know, you know, rest in peace, Paul Walker, but, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I would just love to see them do something like that because I, I definitely, it just feels so tonally different than the, uh, the current one, so I'd love to see them. What's so funny about that. this idea is, because, like, you were, like, the first one, the craziest thing that the the gang was doing, they were like stealing DVD yeah. players. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like they're like they're like cre- doing like you were saying, like doing these crazy stunts just to steal mm. DVD players is right. <laughs> pretty hilarious. <laughs> just DVDs, and like and that doesn't even play now. You're like DVDs are like were they trying to sell them on like at a vintage store? Like what? <laughs> yeah. It it just feels like such a departure, and um, yeah, no, I I love it. So yeah, that that's that's my 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 final pitch. Maybe re- redoing the uh, the original trilogy there. I don't think that'll ever happen, but we can wish. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. They'll just keep pumping them out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. Well, Mike, I'm I'm so glad that we that we did this. this is I I love I love just like talking about movies and redoing movies and um yeah this is this is great great idea mike i love it yeah thank you guys so much for having me on you're welcome to be a part of it i hope your uh, audience enjoyed it and um yeah (laughs) yeah well once you text scorsese and tell him about this podcast then i think we're gonna blow up i think he's listening right now so just say hi (laughs) I love it. All right. So thank you everyone for joining us for another mm. wonderful episode of Film Logic. Thank you, mm. Sam. Is there anything you want to plug? Is there like uh any content you're creating that you want people to see? Or maybe you just want to give them a link to the game starring Michael Douglas? <laughs> no, um, I wish I could talk more about it. I'm under NDA stranglehold, but you know, just, just so please, if you're listening, just, you know, support Hollywood 
Um, go see movies, buy movie tickets, bring your family, and uh, make it a ritual. Just go every weekend because it supports a lot of jobs and um, mm. and hopefully mm-hmm. you have a great time watching the movies. Yes. All right. For sure. For sure. Well, we wish you the best of luck, and we know that you're going to continue doing amazing things. Thank you for watching. I've been Mike. I'm Adam. And hit subscribe on this podcast and make <laughs> yeah. this go to number one. Yes, yeah, do it. That's my cousin <laughs> Sam. You mess with him, you mess with me. <laughs> See you later, folks. Welcome to Storytime Improv. Word of the day.